It's happy times and places in which I, Toby Haydoke, try to guess my special guests' favourite things about the Doctor Who story they've chosen. Hello, my name's Dara Carvel. I'm a playwright and screenwriter. Um, I'm the creator of the ITV crime drama The Bay. And the Doctor Who story I'd like Toby to look at is Kinda. Well, welcome everybody to the dark places of the inside of my house. Uh, Dara Carville, writer of ITV's hit, The Bay. I tell you what, you may be pretty low rent with the host of this podcast, but the guests uh, are A-list. So thanks to Dara for, for doing this. Um, and for choosing Kinder, which I'm now watching on Blu-ray, because I remembered halfway through uh, watching episode one that uh, I could put my DVD away. So I'm going to go to episode selection, part two. This is going to be the first time, because I have this Blu-ray box set, but I've watched the extras, but I haven't watched the uh, the the episodes in question. Uh, I wanted to save them for a special occasion. So here we are, my first time of watching the Blu-ray of Kinder Part 2, and I am going to press play in 3, 2, 1. There we go, it's made a grinding noise, wheezing groaning noise made by my Blu-ray player. Uh, and here we are, Part 2 of Kinder. Um, Dara chose the fact that it's from the companion's point of view for Part 1, so I can see when I choose that performance or that scene. He might be going uh, a little bit uh, further under the surface or uh, a little bit more from a, a, an intellectual standpoint, which I like. I mean, I have to say um, one of the joys of this podcast is to see how everybody's love for Doctor Who exhibits itself in a different way. Christopher Bailey, the writer of this, was for years uh, a sort of mystery man. And he still hasn't done an awful lot. I don't think he's done many conventions or anything. But And I know they had to, Doctor Who magazine had to work hard to track him down for interviews. Um, and and they, they got him for these DVDs. Um, well, he reminds me actually a bit of the, in the way that he speaks of, of Peter Harness, who wrote... Uh, Kill the Moon in various uh, other new series episodes, as, who's a fine writer and another interesting man and a, and, and a, and a great mind. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they have similar mouths and ways of expressing themselves. Um, so here we are. And the, t oh, the TSS machine music was, uh, was on Doctor Who the Music Volume 2, which, which was my, which was my disco album of choice. It was the, it was, the only album I had. Uh, Mary Morris, what a fabulous uh, face she has and physicality and a wonderful voice. Isn't she an extraordinary actress? Uh, and she, uh, she looks fabulous and she sounds brilliant and she does, she does the uh, blind acting extremely well. Um, and and I believe lived in Switzerland and had built her own house there uh, and and drove in a knackered old Land Rover to come and do Doctor Who. Bless her. Uh, and she's brilliant in The Prisoner. She's the number two in The Dance of Death, where she has a wonderful mocking feline quality. She's an A for Andromeda, but she's a, a magnificent actress. And I think a rather wonderful uh, uh uh, charismatic, sapphic um, 
wiry uh, cat lady. Yeah, I love her. I, oh, I bet she was great, but also terribly terrifying. Um, but she's she's wonderful in this. Uh, and these sorts of mystical parts can be either very, very boring or, or yeah, boring, tedious, sometimes very yawnable uh, uh, or just really sincere. Um, but she she pitches it absolutely brilliantly. And then you've got, I mean, even where the casting is not 100% successful, but I don't know if, I don't know if that's the case with Adrian Mills. Um, or if we impose that upon him afterwards. I remember Aris being perfectly um, convincing at the time, but he's Adrian Mills. He's a sort of, he's the sort of person you expect to see fronting a Portaloo infomercial uh, <laughs> because he was a, he kept, went on to be a presenter of That's Life where they, I remember them showing the clip from episode four of this with the snake and everyone laughing and it uh, upsetting my teenage self. Um, but But even he... As, as some of the extras do as well, um, went on to greater things. In fact, every single member of the cast and some of the uncredited cast has something, you know, has, has done something outside of this that's remarkable, with the exception, I'd say, of Pearl Sarah Prince's Karuna there, who is excellent, uh, and I think who would have d definitely deserved to do more. Um, now, I'm sure... Did I teach myself this trick? You can do it where you, you flick the stick, stick the coin in the folds of your uh, of, of, of between your thumb and your your, 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 your forefinger. Um, I could do it with a 5p coin. It thrills children at parties. Um, but I find it's really oddly played the way that the, the doctor now goes. Oh, of course, when Adric does that, it's behind your ear thing. But um but but no, because he doesn't go. Ah, oh, yes, it's a sleight of hand or anything like that. He he's reacting as if yes, it's behind the ear. Or that that's definitely how I took it uh, as as a younger viewer. And I, you know, I never liked the suggestion of magic within Doctor Who. So it's 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 oddly played. And I think in a story that is mysterious enough as it is, um, Neris Hughes is fantastic, isn't she? Cool, intelligent. Um, everything's plausible in her hands. Uh, she plays it with absolute sincerity straightforwardness um I, I totally buy her as a as a as a as a scientist uh and I, and I love her relationship with with Davison and the little bits of twinkle that she gives as well so she's very serious and plausible but she as an actress she has a a, a lightness of touch that just keeps it you know that sprinkles it with 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 wit but it's sincere wit. It's not. It's you know. It's, there's, there's never any suggestion that it's not being taken seriously. But she is a witty person. These uh, pith helmets are great. They obviously you know suggest uh, the British Empire thing going on there, which you know there are interesting things to be said about that. And 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 I quite like it being spoofed in that sort of slightly ripe Richard Todd sort of thing than the sort of um, very po-faced prime directive business you you sometimes get. Um, uh, although that's you know still saying very interesting um, things, I I I I think there's an element of satire in the way that that this is done, and you know the idea that what does what does Sander say if they're so clever? Why didn't they build their spaceship and come and colonize us? Which is the sort of bullying logic of the uh, op oppressor. 
Um, and and of course, they are so clever. But they're so clever. They've learned that, you know, building space. You can go as far away as you like, but you don't sort out the problems uh, in in here. Uh, you know, you can you can do all the technological advancements and all the exploring uh, 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 way out there that you like, but actually to get real happiness and to get real um to find real paradise uh you need to clear up what's 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 going on in there um and I, I remember this i remember this video effect i was at my grandparents when i watched this i seem to recall um because i because i remember saying to my granddad oh you know her about tegan and i was going to say you know her she is australian um uh uh my granddad went no 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 but i know her and pointed at Neris Hughes. So she was at Neris Hughes was well known in, in my household and my extended uh, household. Um, um, and that's the, the, I think the other interesting thing, this is so relevant for our child, the, the, the very interesting thing of, of that Hindle is obviously bullied and fragile and in need of help. And he's given power and he's given authority. And he abuses it and he becomes a despot and he becomes dangerous. And I think that's 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 that speaks to our time because I think we like to think, oh, if somebody is a victim, um, you know, tr treat them well, give that give give them, you know, stop stop them being the oppressed uh, and they will behave nicely. Ex ex except, of course, we all have despots within us, even those of us that who have at times felt in a minority or felt bullied or felt like we don't have a voice who's to say we wouldn't be just as bad as the people that have been awful to us and often for very good reasons you know his reasons are that he is broken and he is trying to c control the chaos um and to do it according to the manual um uh, 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 and yeah he wants to he, he you know he he's 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 worried about the things it's, it's so brilliantly done actually the the idea that he sees the jungle as a sort of threat and it's uh uh it, it's it's a rendition of the of, of of the sort of overgrowth of his mind all the tendrils wrapping around his brain uh and he does it so well and they deal with him very well too uh and and he's oh I, the, the way that he does all of this stuff. This is I really like this because it's it's not got the it's not got the rantiness to it, which as I say was in, is important in, in establishing he's dangerous. But I, I, I like the way that he's you know he's got this tenuous grip of command, and he thinks he's absolutely he's absolutely what he's doing is absolutely normal, um, and. It, and he's actually rather sad and it's such a it's such a great it's one of the great performances in, in Doctor Who and I think it's certainly the the most convincing you know unstable base commander of which there have been many uh, I think this is a cut above all of them um, and you know he's the threat at the moment he's the story we don't really know what's going on with Tegan and we don't know what the kinder are all about the that the immediate danger to the doctor is a, a madman without a box. <laughs> um, and and da yeah, Davison 
treats it with exactly the right level of sort of tentative nervousness and tr trying to understand uh and I, and as i say this this is really this is about mental health isn't it this is about you know and and, and what's about to happen to, to to sanders who who stays in the end spoilers um and and you know he that everybody needs a sort of reset and i see that now i see that in the world there are a lot of people and I, I've sort of used this lockdown. Um, I, I often say, I, I, you know, I have wasps in my head, uh, and uh, uh, and and I used to drink quite heavily in order to stop the wasps buzzing. But of course, then you wake up and the, the groggy wasps start to wake up again, and they're groggy, and so instead of they they start to sting you because they're really annoyed, uh, and it starts the circle again. And I think this idea of 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 a, you know, the box that that clears your head, that that sucks the wasps out, or you know, stops the noise. And uh, I mean, I I find with modern life, I think that's that that's something we could we could all do with a little bit of a sort of reset, which is what the 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 box of jhana is really, isn't it? It's the one that that has the those those people the kinder beckoning you towards a simpler uh, life of being more in touch with nature and rather than the, all the sort of technology and the special protective dome and the uh, and the manuals and the rule books that we surround ourselves with to make sense of our lives actually they're all things that that give us um, obligations and that, and, that, and that give us protocols and that and that, that give us straitjackets that 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 actually don't help to stop uh, you know give any clarity upstairs really what gives you clarity is is nature is is not the emergency rations it's the apple it's the it's the fruit from the land it's the fresh air it's the communing with nature uh and I think this is as relevant now, where where mental health uh, is, you know, very much at the at the forefront. And um, uh, you know, I, I I know a lot of teenagers. I've got two boys, sixteen and and twenty, and and for young people, mental health issues are are very 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 tricky. Um, uh, and and you know what's going on in their heads is sort of a. A, a battle for control and dominance rather like what's going on here with with Tegan and obviously this is done you know very much a lot of this is sort of tricks of the mind and you know there's an obvious you know evil guy and, and a pull between good and evil um but what it's saying is the danger is not because because it's about it's a buddhist parable isn't it and in buddhism there are no evil baddie monsters that the that the evil is a manifestation of what's what's inside your own head uh you know the only thing you have to fear is fear itself and that and that the things we do in our mind are are, are, are the real causes of our own sort of despair uh, and the mara is a manifestation of that and as i get older uh i i find that more and more compelling actually uh and it's an extraordinarily clever um, thing for Doctor Who to be taking on and I know they there's talk now that uh, I saw something on a forum somebody saying oh I, I hope they they look at um, Yaz's mental health issues a bit more 
in, in next year's Doctor Who. And so it seems very modern that that's the sort of thing that modern Doctor Who would would be very interested in, in sort of tackling and a monster as a manifestation of, of uh, abject mental health is very much a story for our time. So it'd be interesting to see how this would play to a modern audience because I think it plays with a lot of modern preconceptions and the, the voices in our heads and the pressures from the the outside and the the higgledy piggledy um and you know yeah we we you know we we look yeah i mean the jungle i mean the jungle could almost be <laughs> you know social media creeping in seeking you know seeking uh well, well, because we, we do. I mean, I, I spend so much time on social. We seek validation, don't we? We seek validation from the very thing that then causes us disquiet. And actually, I know if I went off social media, I would probably have a much better time of it. But social media, with every like, with every retweet, with every uh, reply from somebody I, 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 whose work I admire or or somebody who's liked something I've done gives me the validation that I seek. But of course, those things uh, actually do not d do not actually they're they're snakes. They do not give us what we want. They actually fit. They feed the beast, but uh, it's a beast that's never satisfied. Um, uh, uh, I th yeah, I think that's fair comment. Or am I? disappearing up my own fundament i hope not um i'm just just i hadn't thought about this until i you know until watching this this now that those things those things have struck me um uh, uh and i think i and i think it's because i i think i've uh, it's it's rather brave um decision to to examine the real uh, ramifications of of well, mental health because yeah when I was a boy I was beaten every day now you see uh, you know that, that seems such an old-fashioned thing and so obviously daft when I was a boy I was beaten every day and you'd hear people from my grandparents generation say it but now I find myself as a parent going well why well why don't uh, they should sort themselves out we, we you know we don't we, we we shouldn't indulge some of the, the the sort of modern fragilities but that's probably the current equivalent of that so i'm doing exactly the circle the circle the wheel turns and i make the same mistakes but with different parameters but it's the same arguments probably as that generation made because we don't understand uh that the, the problems besetting people 20 25 years younger than us because because we don't but just because but it's almost like it's almost like we're wanting to legalize revenge isn't it just because just because we had to put up with certain things that we now look at as being cruel and unfair think well why shouldn't the next generation well that is that to do them any good it's or is it just because we did that we want them to as well uh, <laughs> wheel turns um But of course, uh, yes, 
this is this is a lovely reveal. As I say, it loses something slightly. Oh, you can see a camera. Look, look to the right. You can see that's a BBC camera on a on a on a trolley, uh, in, in the bottom corner there. Um, and this is a this is a lovely transformation. Richard Todd, I know, had wanted to play this for comedy. There was a there was a big thick old tome called Doctor Who: The Unfolding Text, uh, and it was advertised in Doctor Who magazine for an absolute fortune. Uh, and I, so I could never buy it. And then I found it in a university library years later, and I didn't realise it was. It's a huge academic book with footnotes and all sorts of stuff, and uh, uh, very highfalutin concepts and words. But they they look at the production of Kinder a little bit, and I'm sure they spoke to Todd in that, and he'd he'd expected to um, to uh, because Doctor Who in say season seventeen had been very you know high comedy, and and the guest stars had had fun by chewing the scenery. Uh, I think he'd expected to come in and, and, and do a sort of slightly comedic turn. And then he got confronted with the quite terse and very serious director, Peter Grimwade, who's a brilliant director, but um, uh, uh, not necessarily, I think, the most... He gets good performances, though, but I, d I don't think the most touchy-feely with the actors. But I think... Um, still, no, 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 it's, you have to play it completely seriously. Um, although, as I said, it's still a bit of a, a, bit of a type... But uh, but it works. Uh, it's it's pitched right. Um, but you could see how he might have played it as a as a sort of huge, slightly OTT caricature. Um, see the levels in this this jungle set are pretty good. The raised bits and the the, the, the painted backdrop has enough in front of it that it doesn't it, it doesn't look pony. And you've got a, and the perspective is decent on it. And of course, Eve is throwing apples at Adam in the Garden of Eden lovely bit of symbolism uh and it's interesting i was w w wondering if one of the things i would choose would be janet fielding because she uh gets to do something so different but then then i remember the last time i saw this actually evil tegan is only in about a scene and a half and i seem to recall seeing as this is one of the stories that's um described as tegan's best i've got a feeling in episode three there's one shot of her lying on the ground and that's it she gets her ep fee for that she just says i always have a thing about ep fees where if an, if an actor dies in a in a in an american series but they're back next week as a, as a corpse you know so that somebody can say i'm sorry john i'm gonna i'm gonna avenge you i always go oh that's nice ep fee uh, because you have to get you have to get paid by the episode um but she does do a a a a a good job here, and um, I believe she tried to she'd wanted to be a bit more sort of sensual and uh, tempt you know tempting. It's all about the temptation. That's what forbidden fruit is, isn't it? Uh, and 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 you know, in the dark place of her mind, Ducker is uh, is 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 tempting her. Um, although it's it's I mean I I, I think you could have. Uh, you, you know longer and more intricate and more morally testing dream sequences now where where perhaps tegan rather than i mean she she agrees to duck her in this because she, he basically bullies and tricks her into it whereas i i, I wonder if a, a slight element of temptation might have made her a bit more complicit in her crossing over to the dark side you, you, you might be much slightly more morally complex now that's not that's not a criticism that's just a just an observation now uh she's she's great here and that 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 and yes and i remember all the, and, and yeah that sort of cutting there although aris for a for a uh 
for, for for somebody who has you know lives is is a product of nature and who lives off the land he's got a lot of fillings that's <laughs> again the last time i watched this one of the main things i came away with was uh, adrian mills has got a lot of fillings <laughs> um um but yes and he's and they do that simple trick with the uh with the with the red mouthwash or whatever and he he actually does a decent job i feel a bit for adrian mills i think perhaps because he has another association for me as the slightly cheesy that's life presenter and they were supposed to be slightly cheesy i'm not being pejorative of him at all and he seems he seems like a lovely chap every time i've seen him interviewed um but because he's got the slightly cheesy TV presenter vibe going on, I, uh, so I'd be interested to see what uh, listeners think of uh, uh, Adrian Mills's performance if they don't know him for, from anything else. Um, now we're coming to the end of the episode, and I've got to choose uh, something. I mean, I'm, it all comes back to Simon Rouse, but I have chosen the cast, so I don't think. I don't think I can specifically choose Simon Rice. I love this cliffhanger, though, and, and the way that the camera keeps going slightly further and further in. Grimway's use of the camera is absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, and this cliffhanger is superb. Look at that. Um, and it doesn't cheat next week, either. Um, and the way that that built to a climax was absolutely superb. Um, oh, it's a difficult one to choose... What will be my thing? I mean, Janet, Janet Fielding does deserve a, a a a nod for her work, even though it is only really it's that one scene really where she. Uh, but it's nice to get uh, to see a companion actor um, display their chops, as it were. But now I know we're not going to have another. I know we're not going to have another dream sequence. And although I think the ones in episode one are, well, there are more of them, um, I, I, I do think it has to be applauded um, because of because of because of its ambition in in trying to, you know, that that threat it depicts in those dream sequences is is not a literal threat. It's it's doing something totally different um and they're very well staged and and they're they're lit well and and they're i mean i remember them at the time even though as i say i didn't necessarily particularly grasp what was what was going on and i think for what they represent as i said as i said earlier i think they could they would perhaps be now a bit more you know have have more morally gray areas in the interaction and perhaps you know tegan would be a bit more com complicit in her own downfall um, and she would perhaps be tempted by something. Um, but I think because there's nothing much like them in the, the classic series, not even in Snake Dance, which, you know, is the is the sister production to this. That's still much more literal. I think, the uh, yeah, I think I have to say the dream sequences um, just because I think they're a brave attempt at doing something different. And I think they're largely, largely pulled off. So that's my choice for episode two 
What star are you going to choose? And that line, the dark places of the inside, brings me to another of the things I love about this story, which is its language. It's full of these lines of dialogue that glint like uh, jewels. So I'd like to pick out a few of those. In episode two, when the Mara first possesses the Kinda Aris and he's given voice for the first time, the first thing he says is, all things are possible. And that's a line that stuck in my head in 1982, and it's been there ever since. There are these lines from this show that I kind of turn over in my head all the time, like earworms. There's another one in episode three. Ah, okay. Well, I think episode th that's him leading us into episode three, uh, which so I can't hear the rest of that. Um, uh, or it'll be an earworm playing for me as I, I watch it, and it will give, give away... Uh, his choice for episode three so his choice for episode two is the language uh yeah and there are some great uh lines in there um i'd sort of got in the back of my head that some of the language for 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 episode three but he's he's thrown forward to that whilst choosing it as his thing for episode two um which is very clever of him all things are possible except uh for me i think to get any of the things my guest is going to choose about uh, kinder, but it's an interesting journey and he's being uh, very insightful. And uh, I'm finding this, I'm now full of regret um, that I think I went off on one about mental health rather than talking about do the specifics of a Doctor Who story. But that's because even when you do something that's supposed to be light and disposable and entertaining like this, I then go to bed and I replay over and over the things I wish I'd said and the wish things I wish I hadn't said uh, uh, and uh, it's almost like the dark places of my inside are manifesting themselves uh, in a horrible snake-like way uh, <laughs> who would have thunk it um, well there we go that's what I thought of kinder part two and that's all this is supposed to be and so that was that on this particular occasion. So I don't know if that was what you wanted, but it's what you got. Uh, if if you didn't like it, you can, uh, next time I walk past you uh, and you're sitting up a tree, you can throw apples at me. But in the meantime, um, uh, uh, I hope you're very well and the wheel will turn and we will uh, uh, reconvene for episode three in the next edition of this. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Ta-ta. I think you'll find. 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 Well, it has been pointed out to me that I think we'll all find that the album I refer to that has the TSS machine music on is just Doctor Who the Music, Volume 1, not Volume 2. Where I got Volume 2 from, I've no idea, because I never got Volume 2. I only ever had Volume 1. Oh, the memory cheats. Also, I don't mention in this entire commentary, nor in the next two episodes, so don't wait for it, the whole malarkey about the rumours going round that it was Kate Bush who wrote Kinder, because nobody ever found Christopher Bailey till many, many years later. And there's various bits of symbolism that reminded people of Kate Bush's work. You'd have thought that would have killed five minutes. But then again, I don't really talk much about colonialism either. So um, you get what you pay for in this, and, and sometimes you don't. Anyway... Doctor Who the Music Volume 1 is the record to which I refer, um, and not 
Doctor Who, the music, volume two, or indeed the Hounds of Love or Cloud Busting or um, the best of Kate Bush and all those other records. Bye. It's very kind of you to listen to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest this time around is Dara Carville. And this episode's featured patrons to whom thanks are due are Ruben Herfindahl, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, Jessica Jones, Andrew Jordan, James Lark, David Matthewman, Rosser McPhillips, Stuart Mitchell, Nathan Moore, Melvin Pena, Keith Pirry, Dylan Rees, John Rivers, Keith Say, Len Stewart, Nick Temple, Reynard Toombs, Apollo C. Vermouth, Gary Wales, Adam Westwood, Rich Wiggins, Michael Williams, and Stephen White. The music is by Dave Gates, and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. If you'd like to join that list of names and to get early releases and exclusive material, please subscribe at patreon.com forward slash Toby If you can't do that, and that's perfectly understandable in these times of financial dire straits, you could rate and review these very highly wherever you can, because that costs you absolutely nothing, and it does me a favour. So thanks in advance for that, but also thanks for listening. One-off payments are also possible at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock if you want to give me a caffeinated beverage in financial form any time you're feeling so inclined. But mostly, thanks for listening and please do spread the word if you can. Thanks ever so much. Don't forget to subscribe to the official Toby Haydock YouTube channel. And you can also follow my comedy night, Excess Malarkey, on twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey. It's at 8pm every Tuesday. That's GMT. But there's also an archive and selected clips. And it's basically me introducing guests from the comedy circuit. (laughs) 